Hello, Big Ten fans and big bettors. Welcome to another edition of the big Big Ten football show. And we're talking big bets today all around the conference. Last week, we had a nice record, 5-1, not too bad. I'll take that on a week-in, week-out basis. That brings us up to 6-1 on the season. So we only have three plays this week. And let's start with our big bet of the week. And that would be Ball State getting 22.5 points against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, you know, you can say, Dan, what are you talking about? Penn State, they just beat Wisconsin. Listen, going into the season, I gave you four under bets for Big Ten teams. That was under 6.5 against Northwestern, under 7.5 against Indiana, under 6.5 with Nebraska, and under 9 with Penn State. Now, I did project Penn State to probably lose against Wisconsin, figuring at worst I'll do 9-3. and three. I don't see them going 10-2. and two. I'm still not sold on them going 10-2. and two. And while I gave you against the other three teams in their first games, Illinois against Nebraska, I had Iowa last week against Indiana, as well as Michigan State against Northwestern, I stood away from the Penn State game. Because I really, as much as I was not high on Penn State, I also had way too many question marks to uh, take the Badgers there. And despite their, you know, big win on the road, overranked foe, I believe James Franklin was 1-9 in that scenario as his, as a head coach against Penn State. Part of the reason that led me to take that under for the season. But even though that moves them up in the polls, and I hear a lot of people talking up the Nittany Lions as, you know, they, they look like they're ready to be back as that number two team in the Big Ten. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still not sold on them. And why? I mean, why? They won the turnover margin by plus three. The offensive success rate was extremely poor, even with a couple of big plays. Sean Clifford still doesn't impress me. So I think this team has a lot to prove still. And I think that result might have been more about Wisconsin um, being a pedestrian team this year than it was necessarily about Penn State. You know, I still think Penn State is in a similar boat with, with Wisconsin. They easily could have lost that game, even with the turnover advantage. Wisconsin had so many chances in this game to score points, and, and they weren't able to follow through. But I still think, you know, Penn State, Wisconsin are similar teams. Iowa's a similar team. Don't go overrating the Hawkeyes either, who I had last week. And I think Michigan is in that boat too. I think we still have a lot to learn about those four teams moving forward. One week was not enough to decide, you know, what the pecking order is right behind Ohio State. But for this game, uh, let's focus on this game specifically where they take on a Ball State team, a very good Mac school that has 16 super seniors back, including their quarterback, Drew Plitt who leads an efficient offense. They use their receivers better than Wisconsin does. I'm not saying they're more talented than Wisconsin's receivers, but they simply know how to use them better than Wisconsin does. You're getting 22 and a half points. Um, before the season, this was 20 and a half. So you kind of cross that threshold of uh, the 21 point to three touchdown margin, which is a nice plus for this game. Um, this is also a sandwich game for the Nittany Lions. 
Uh, we've already talked about how they're coming off that emotional victory, that huge victory over Wisconsin. Well, next week, Auburn, the SEC team, is coming to Happy Valley. So you got to imagine there's got to be some letdown slash look ahead for Penn State in week two. Um going against a max school that they are more than a three touchdown favorite against. And it's not just a psychological thing, folks. That that defense was on the field for 41 minutes against the Badgers who play a physical brand of football. You know, it wasn't a successful brand of football. It wasn't an efficient brand of football, but it was still a physical brand of football that the Badgers play. So one week into the season to have to be on the field 41 minutes and then come back next Saturday, one is a challenge. Two, you got to imagine coming off that game with Auburn next that Penn State will dig deep into their depth chart particularly on the defensive side of the ball, to get those guys some rest that they need to not overwork them coming into the next week, especially if they take a lead. While you know a school like Ball State, a Mac school, they're, they're probably going to play their backups less. They're still going to want to, this is a game that, that is huge for them playing a Big Ten school. So even if Penn State does come out and jump out to an early lead, which we've seen them do in the past, you know, 14 nothing, 5-10 minutes into the game, I would not be surprised if this ends up being a back tar- uh, backdoor cover because Ball State will continue to try to score, to push the ball down the field with the throw game, while I expect Penn State to play a lot of second and third teamers, in, in, particularly in the second half, if they have a lead. All right, that's our big bet last week. Big bets were 1-1. One and one. And big bets are two and one on the season. Uh, in terms of the biggest bet, the excuse me, the bigger bet, I'm going with the Syracuse Orange plus two over Rutgers. That's right. I'm going back into the ring. I'm going back into the what do they call it in the MMA? The octagon. I'm going back into the octagon against Greg Schiano. Coach Chiano, I'm looking at you. You're not the only one that keeps chopping. I'm ready to go, okay? And I know people are going to say, but Dan, 61 points. I've heard it all. You know how many times I heard this week people being impressed and and throwing out the number Rutgers? Wow, 61 points from Rutgers. Yeah, 61 points. It was fantastic. They thumped Temple. But, but, this is not about giving credit or not credit for last week. This is about projecting forward. And when you talk about projecting forward, there's not a lot there in those 61 points. That is a misleading score. The Scarlet Knights averaged just 4.6 yards per play. That is not a good number, folks. I don't know if you know. I don't want, I don't mean to dance plane, but typically if you have 4.6 yards per play, it's going to take you about three, maybe four games to get to 61 points, okay? Quarterback Noah Vedril, very mediocre to poor quarterback in the Power Five. He averaged just five yards a pass. Uh, running back Isaiah Pacheco against a Temple team that lost a lot of players, averaged only 3.2 yards per carry. Rutgers won the turnover battle 5-0. And unless you think they're going to win the turnover battle um, 60 to nothing this season, uh, that's going to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, included in that five turnovers was a pick six. In addition to a pick six, they started five possessions inside the Temple 35-yard line. 
once at the two-yard line. So that game was a lot closer on the line of scrimmage on the field of play than that score indicated. These things are not replicable. The Scarlet Knights are being overvalued and overrated coming off their week one loss. I saw they had about 11 or 12 coaches poll votes. Are you nuts? Are you kidding me? Coaches are ranking this team? Purdue's not ranked. Uh, Indiana dropped completely out of the polls. They got no votes. They're ahead of Maryland. Um, who, who else? There's another decent uh, a Big Ten team that got no votes. You know what I mean? I, I just don't get how you're, you're ranking Rutgers. Or, or, seriously? Because you know why? Because they saw the score. They saw the score and they said, wow, 61 points. Yeah, that's really good. You heard it here. That was a misleading score. This team is overvalued. I happen to do watch, I did watch Syracuse. Now you might say, this is unbiased. My brother went to Syracuse. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I am, I am an open window for you, for you, my listeners, for you, my, my betters. Um, I will be completely transparent. I am a Syracuse basketball fan. And, you know, I'm happy if the football team wins. My brother went there, so I will cheer for them. Um, but the reason I bring it up is not that. The reason I bring it up is because amongst my three TVs, because I watch the games often with my brother, Syracuse was on the screen. So I got to watch Syracuse play last week, uh, which I don't every week. But, you know, more often than not, I do. So I know them a little better than most non Big Ten schools, and Syracuse, to me, looked more impressive than Rutgers did in their 29-9 win over an Ohio team that's one of the better MAC schools. Um, Syracuse actually was getting a point by the time kickoff came around. Uh, they won by 20. They Their defense looked better than I expected. Um, they ran for 282 yards, 6.3 yards per carry on, his, on a team. Dino Babers, take the points with the Syracuse Orange, they have a the better quarterback as well. Home field, I like Syracuse winning outright at home. But, you know, take the plus two points. You can go either way, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Finally, the biggest bet, back to Ann Arbor. Did I tell you or did I tell you? I mean, that was an easy uh, cover last week with Michigan against Western Michigan. I told you the whole country has Michigan undervalued, and I, I think they're still undervalued, believe it or not. I still think they're underestimated. They moved up just one spot in the AP poll. You got teams like North Carolina that can't find the end zone. LSU getting pushed around by Sissy Blue, and they're ranked while Michigan still sits well outside the polls. Now, the line has moved. We've seen a big adjustment from Michigan being minus one to six and a half, which might indicate some respect to Michigan. But honestly, I think most of that has to do with Washington losing to Montana and FCS foe. So the Huskies went from being ranked 20th in AP, 21st in the coaches poll, to receiving no votes at all this week. Now, while Michigan was everything we expected and told you they would be in week one, we know it was against a Mac foe. We understand Washington's going to be a much tougher test. But, you know, Washington lost to an FCS school. Now, I have a buddy of mine who is uh, an associate AD at the FCS level. And, you know, we talked about this. I, I reached out to him and I wanted to get him on the dial to get some feedback on what that means. You know what I mean? What does it mean to lose to Montana, who's a good FCS school? 
um, a kind of like a top 10-ish program. They're not the cream of the crop. They're not the North Dakota State, but they are better than some FBS schools, right? Uh, we need to acknowledge that. So when people tell you this week that Montana is a good FCS school, they are correct. But I think it's somewhat misleading because they are akin to a good Mac school. So, you know, had had uh, my, had Washington had lost to Western Michigan or had they lost to Ohio um, or Ball State, we would not be saying, oh, that's not that bad of a loss. That's a good Mac school. Of course we wouldn't. That's a horrible loss. So that's kind of the equivalent of what that was. Michigan offensively, Cade McNamara was extremely efficient. He was PFF's top-rated Power 5 quarterback. The running game is strong and balanced. You have Hassan Haskins, who's a powerful runner who can run through. Once he gets into the secondary, folks, he may not have breakaway speed where he's going to turn the corner and run away from people. But when he runs through a tackle and leaves a safety lying on the ground, even if that safety's faster, guess what? They ain't catching him. So he is a powerful runner. Blake Corum showed how explosive he could be and how dynamic he can be as a runner, as a receiver, as a return man. Uh, unfortunately, Michigan will be without Ronnie Bell, who is their best wideout. But still, they have Corum, Haskins, A.J. Henning, um, Ramon Wilson, Dalen Baldwin. These guys all had chunk plays of 20, 30, 50, 60 yards last week. A lot of huge plays from these guys. There's still a lot of weapons on the offense that they can spread around. Expect to see more of true freshman Donovan Edwards, who got his feet wet in the fourth quarter um, at the same time when J.J. McCarthy, actually in the third quarter when J.J. McCarthy came into the game. So, you know, if Michigan kept the pedal to the metal, kept the starters in, that game could have been even a bigger blowout because they went very early to the second teamers, played a lot of guy on a lot of guys on defense. Um, I think Washington will be a tougher test, but uh, you know Michigan's not going to need to put up. For, they're not going to put up forty plus probably this week, but they're not going to need to because this Washington offense is just—it's not good. It's that simple. Why try to get fancy with my words when not good covers it? And that's what they are. They're not good. Quarterback Dylan Morris averaged just four point nine yards per attempt. He had three interceptions. Yes, he was missing some wideouts, but they're still banged up going into this game. Uh, they're not going to have everybody back. And, you know, some guys that come back probably won't be at 100%. And you know what? At the end of the day, even when he's had a full complement of receivers, Dylan Morris has simply never been good at, or effective at throwing the ball down the field. That's not what they do. He hasn't been good at it when he's tried. And probably because of that, they've been a rather conservative offense where they kind of look to grind out drives, a lot of short passes, a lot of running the football, um, and they struggle to run the ball in week one against Montana. Um, I don't see how they're going to do better this week. Um, and there's also the questionable hire there of offensive quarter coordinator John Donovan by Jimmy Lake, who's a defensive guy. So that means he's going to rely even heavier on his O.C., the last time he was in OC was in 2014 
at Penn State when the Nittany Lions had a rough offensive season. This was before Joe Moorhead got there and turned things around. And Donovan was canned after one year as the OC. He's been an analyst in, in the NFL since, since he returned to Washington last season. And, and so far, the returns in uh, you know what was a, a, an abbreviated 2020 and one game into 2021 have been very poor. You know, he, I'm not sure if uh, he's likely to be back unless he turns things around quickly for the Huskies. I think it's going to be tough sledding. You saw Aiden Hutchinson be nearly unblockable at times. Daxton Hill is the ideal type of DB against this type of offense because you can play him in the box. He can attack both the running game and the short passing game, either as a safety creeping up or as a slot corner, so expect him to rack up a lot of tackles near the line of scrimmage, uh, maybe some behind the line of scrimmage, as Michigan once again gets the cover for us and gives us another victory for our biggest bet. They won with a, that. That was our biggest bet last week, so when we're one and zero with the biggest bets, uh, the bigger the bigger bets. We were three and zero last week, and we got Syracuse plus the two points against Rutgers. The big bets where we were one and one last week for a total of five and one overall. We have Ball State plus twenty two and a half. I'm going to give you a um, five team parlay that intrigues me that I put in for myself. That is Syracuse money line, Purdue minus thirty four and a half against the Yukon Huskies, Buffalo plus fourteen against Nebraska, Iowa State money line, and Michigan money line. Other games in the Big Ten. We have Virginia, which I'm not playing other than the parlay. Um, Illinois is getting 10.5 visiting Virginia. This line was 11 in the preseason. Uh, what to look for here is can Illinois get their running game going? Chase Brown, their best running back, is expected to be back. They also may have the return of Chase Hayden who was a transfer from East Carolina. Before that, he was at Arkansas, where Brett Bielema recruited him to go to the Razorbacks. So that's, you know, two of their better backs, clearly their number one back. Uh, they struggled to run the ball last week against UTA's defense, so that's something that they need to turn around. We also could see the return of Brandon Peters in that game. Jafar Armstrong and uh, Marquise Beeson are two more talented, intriguing guys at wide receiver who the Illini hope to have back. We'll see how that goes. Um, at Ohio State, they host the Ducks. Um, this line had a major move, um, and you got to think it's mostly about Oregon, right? You'd have to imagine that because Ohio State was a 14-point favorite over Minnesota. They won by 14. In the preseason, they were a 10-point favorite over the, over the Ducks. Now it's 14 and a half. Um, Oregon struggled to beat Fresno. They barely got out of there with a win. Um, and at the end of the day, why am I not playing this game? Well, I really don't trust Ohio State secondary to uh, guarantee that they're going to win by more than two touchdowns. But at the same time, I really don't trust Oregon quarterback Anthony Brown, who's an in, inconsistent passer. He's he's well below 60% as a passer in his career, so the accuracy comes in question there. Um, I don't know if, if he's the guy to take advantage of OSU's deficiencies in the secondary. Moreover, you have Calvin, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, who is their best player. Um, he's questionable 
even if he plays, he's he's clearly not at 100%. They also have a couple of other injuries on the defensive side of the ball, which makes me uh, question their ability to hold the Buckeyes down. Ohio State has some injury questions as well. Offensive lineman Harry Miller, um, I, I don't know. I spoke to an OSU guy this week. I, I don't know if this kid's getting his job back uh, because with Jones at tackle, uh, shifting uh, Munford inside to the guard, the offensive line, particularly against the run, was uh, very impressive last week. Jones was uh, graded out extremely high as a run blocker, struggled a little in pass protection. So if there was a healthy Kayvon Thibodeau, I'd be a lot more concerned about that. And then, of course, Savion Banks, Cameron Brown, their starting corners did not play last week against Minnesota. Buckeyes hope to have them back. Uh, that's a noon game. Fox, Joel Klatt, and Gus Johnson are doing that game again. Uh, Minnesota is laying 18 with Miami. That line was 20 earlier in the week. I've seen it at 17 and a half on a couple of books. I'm going to monitor this, and if it goes below 17, I may be I may be tempted. I may be tempted to lay the points with the Golden Gophers. Um, the only thing that gives me hesitancy, obviously, I'm not happy about the Mo Ibrahim injury. That's a, a huge loss to their offense, but they may get Chris Altman Bell back this week. Um, you combine him with the receivers that looked so good, uh, right? The Texas A&M transfer, Daniel Jackson, four-star recruit from last season's class. Um, and with their vaunted offensive line, that's massive, that's experienced, that's talented, I expect Minnesota's offense will be able to roll regardless of the injury to Mo Ibrahim. Um, but the defense is, I'm not sure. I'm really not sure about this defense. They were horrendous last season. Nothing we saw from them last week would make you think uh, there'll be anything other than that for this season. But you need to be fair. Let's see how they look against a non-Ohio State offense. It could be that Ohio State's offense is just that good. So I will give Minnesota a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. And as I mentioned, you should follow it yourself as well. If this goes below 17, the Gophers are the play. We have U, uh, UConn visiting Purdue. The line is up to 34.5 now. In the uh, preseason, Purdue is only a 27.5 point uh, favorite. Why such a big move? Well, when, when a program fires their coach after week one, that says a lot. Um, and I'm curious, uh, I'm sure nobody was watching uh, UConn uh, Holy Cross. I doubt anybody listening was watching that game. But on Twitter, you may have seen, as I did, the video of a UConn uh, coach talking to his team, uh, the defensive coordinator talking to his players, giving them instructions, showing enthusiasm, hands in the air. He puts up a fist as if, you know, to the center of the huddle where you expect the whole team to huddle up together and, you know, say go defense or go Huskies or go team or go something, uh, you know, go home Randy Etzel. I don't know. But when he did that, none of his players responded. I mean, not a single one, not a single player responded. And you know who the head coach is? Him. That's the guy they hired to replace Randy Etzel. So, Take that information, do with it what you will. Um, I am using Purdue in a parlay, as I mentioned earlier, but I'm not taking that game. Um, 
We have Nebraska, 14-point favorite over Buffalo, another one of my parlay games. The Bulls taking the 14 points. Um, They showed they could run the ball last week. Um, It was against Wagner. So I don't know how much stock you could put into that. Um, they did lose. They have a, they have some good guys on the offensive line, but they did lose a couple of key pieces from the offensive line, um, including arguably their best lineman who left with their head coach, Lance Leopold. He went to Kansas and the, co- the player followed him. So if they had Lance Leopold, if they had everybody back that they expected to be back, I'd be all over the Bulls at plus 14, but I'm telling you, the line probably wouldn't be 14. Right. If those if, if those things were the case, you know, um, like, you know, like they say, if my if my aunt had a certain uh, body part, she'd be my uncle. You know, so you can take the ifs and buts and throw them out the window. But ultimately, that's why I'm not fully in on Buffalo. But I like them enough with their ability to run the ball against a Cornhusker defense that kind of looks soft. So far this season, as I mentioned, you know, Illinois looked better running the ball against them than they did UTSA. So that's a parlay play. Another parlay play for me is uh, Iowa State, as I mentioned earlier, the money line. Um, yeah, they had a slim win over Northern Iowa, struggled to get there. Why didn't they move down in the polls? Well, this is kind of Matt Campbell's MO. Uh, last season, they lost the opener to Louisiana. Um, they finished in the top 10. The year before, they beat NIU in another close game. The game went to overtime. So this is very typical of a Matt Campbell team to go so vanilla, um, you know, to to not do much, to not look good in week one. And they typically have recovered. They were without their best uh, uh, weapon in the throw game, tight end Charlie Kolar, who's an NFL prospect, and I think this is going to be a tougher game for Iowa. I was all over Iowa. Remember that was one of that was one of my bigger bets uh, last week was Iowa laying the points against Indiana um, at home, and I thought the matchup was very good because of their zone defense and Michael Pinnock's uh, um, inconsistency, streakiness as a passer. Well, you know, in this game. Iowa State clearly has the better quarterback in Purdy over Petrus. Um, and and Kolar is the perfect kind of guy to find those soft spots in a zone and take advantage of that. Um, in addition, um, the big question mark Iowa has on defense is the defensive line. Indiana has arguably the worst offensive line in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, Iowa State has a pretty strong offensive line. Brees Hall is a very good running back. So I think... The, the weaknesses of Iowa will be challenged a lot more this week than they were in the past. Spencer Petrus, I mean, I just don't trust this quarterback at all. Um, he struggled with his accuracy. Um, the longest pass, you know, their tight ends are good too. Uh, not, to, not to downplay them, Laporta is fabulous. He had an awesome game. Uh, Lachey is an outstanding number two. If he's, if he's your number two, he could start on, on a lot of teams. But the, the longest pass to a wideout was only 11 yards. I just think, I don't know, you know, would I be surprised if Iowa covered? I wouldn't. Um, but I, I like Iowa State more for the money line because, you know, I got to give respect to the Iowa defense. And then the final game, Wisconsin 26 over Eastern Michigan. Uh, really no interest in this game. No feel, no like, no lean. Um, what I'm curious about to see here is... 
what's Wisconsin's plan? What are they going to do this week? What's their offensive game plan? What What is their aim? You know what I mean? I don't know. I had a teacher in in uh, fifth fifth grade, sixth grade, Miss Roth, who used to always do an aim. What you know? What is their aim for this week? Are they just trying to win by as many points as they can coming off a loss? Are are they going to say, hey, we need to get uh, Graham Mertz going as a passer. We need to develop the rapport with our wide receivers because we cannot become an offense that's just dinks and dunks to the tight ends because then we will become easy to defend and we will become predictable. And that's exactly what burned them against Penn State last week, especially when they got in the red zone. Or will they just say, hey, let's try to re let's rediscover Wisconsin football before we worry about Graham Mertz taking this offense to the next level. Let's reestablish what Wisconsin football is and ground and pound the ball. Um, you know, Jalen Berger is questionable. He didn't touch the ball last week. The running game was okay. It was okay. Um, maybe Penn State's defense is that good. So we'll see how they fare the rest of the way. They were they were kind of meh last season. Um, that was a unit that I thought was an X factor for Wisconsin, their running game, uh, which typically is like a, 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 a strength that you could slot in. But instead, I thought it was an X factor. All right, folks, that, those are your Big Ten plays for the week. To recap, our big bet, Syracuse plus two, in the Carrier Dome against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I got my eye on you, Greg Schiano. Bring the axe. Let's go. Bigger bet of the week, Ball State plus 22 and a half against a Penn State team that was on the field for 41 minutes. Their defense was against Wisconsin with Auburn coming to town next week. Take those points. Gobble them up. And then finally, our biggest bet, the Michigan Wolverines. Show out to show that last week was not a fluke to keep that momentum going on both sides of the ball. It seems like they've found a scheme that better suits the personnel on defense. So I, I expect that unit to be strong and I expect the offense to do more than enough to win this game by more than a touchdown. Don't be surprised if they win by double digits. Thanks again. Oh, finally, and I shouldn't forget the five team parlay Syracuse money line. Purdue minus 34 and a half, Buffalo plus 14, Iowa State money line, and Michigan money line. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Mogollon. You can find me on Twitter. I am Dan the Sportman. I wanted to make sure I didn't mess up my Twitter handle there. That would be embarrassing. Um, that would be uh, Yukon-esque, uh, I would say. Uh, you can follow me there and updates. Hopefully, we should be getting this bad boy podcast on iTunes and all those places where most of y'all listen to the podcast. I uh, hope you have a great week and let's win some big bets.